we're dealing in this series on the sanctified life not only with how we should be as uh, holy and righteous before the Lord in our lives and the struggle that that is to be that way but how that is reflected in the way that we think what our opinions are about the world and the way that things are in the world and I took quite a a bit of time to focus on the golden rule and I still want you to think about the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you as we go through these projects, these topics we did that because I wanted to have an understanding uh, among all of us about the fact that we, our understanding of other people others needs to be the way that Jesus had an understanding of others and then last week we looked at the question which seems to be a rather absurd question to ask but it is so important nowadays what is a person what is a person and you think well why on earth do you have to have a sermon on that why do you have to even ask that question well it's because the world has a definition of what a person is which is different than what the Bible says as we saw what the world does is it separates the idea of what a person is from the idea of what a human being is you can be a human being and not a person and if you're not a person you're just a human being well you can be euthanized maybe you don't have the rights that are accorded to persons and so people are being euthanized they're being put to death because after all they don't have the qualities of being a person you know maybe they are um, the idea of personhood maybe they, uh, their brain function is not what it should be what it's thought is right for a person to be called a person yes they're human being but they don't have the mental ability perhaps to be accorded personhood and we'll say more about that I'm not going to string this series out. We, we have uh, uh, just a couple more of these hot and button issues to, to touch on. But I, perhaps this is most evident in the issue of abortion and the issue of the sanctity of life in the, in the womb. Is a baby in the womb, a person, or is it a just a thing? It's human, but is it a thing? If it's a thing, it can be disposed of. If it's a person, it has the rights, the same rights as you, to life and protection. And so in that... Uh, 
Spirit, let us again read the text from Psalm 139, verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. He was a me in in his mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's just a figure of speech for the womb. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me as when as yet they were, there were none of them. Everything foreknown to God. You were foreknown to God. Your life, what kind of life that would be. Foreknown to God. You were a person in God's sight before you were even uh, created. Now, I, I also, I, I realize that in dealing with subjects such as this, you know, one can get very graphic and so on. I'm not interested in doing that here. Okay, that's not my purpose. Uh, I do recommend, of course, supporting the Center for Life Choices, and I do recommend that you uh, get more, more information by going to some of the websites that deal with this, the Christian websites. But I don't want you to think that I'm completely ignorant, that all I have is a Bible, not that that's not enough, uh, and I, I don't look at other sources. Uh, it's, uh, I, I want to show you a couple of the sources I'm going to quote from uh, today. Uh, one of them is uh, a book, uh, Gilbert Mylander's Bioethics, A Primer for Christians. Okay, so that's one book. I'd recommend that book, by the way. Uh, another one is, uh, which I, I can't recommend to you because I can't recommend it to you because I, I actually don't only understand about a third of the book. I've read the book. It's called Persons, The Difference Between Someone and Something by a German scholar called Robert Spayman. And I will be quoting from it, but uh, it's just, it's so difficult to understand that I think I only grasped a little bit of it. But it's meant to be the, the kind of definitive work. And then the, the, there's this book called The Magazine of Science, of Fantasy and Science Fiction. And I'm going to quote from this, or a work from this in just a minute. Before I do that, I want to talk about something I've talked about before, and that's a sign that's in a yard just up from our house. You've probably seen this sign. It's a, a sign that ha- is full of banal, uh, pro- politically correct truths, which are nothing, you know. One of the things that are on the sign are, is, is this. Women's rights are human rights. Women's rights are human rights. And in light of what we discussed last week, I wonder if that is saying enough. You see, is every woman a person? In light of what we said last week, is every woman a person? Well, the world would have to answer no. Was Terry Schiavo 
that we discussed last week. A person. Well, no, the judge decided that she wasn't because she was in a vegetative state. So her food and supplies were cut off and she was allowed to die even though her parents wanted to look after her. She was denied personhood, so she was denied the rights of personhood. She was a woman, but she did not have woman's rights. Do you see where this impinges? Do you see where you've got to have a Christian point of view? It's not enough. Just turn the thing off. It is not enough to uh, to go along with what the world says you've got to know what God expects from you your thinking has got to align up with what God thinks if it doesn't you and God are going to have a disagreement when you meet up and he's going to want to know what's wrong with you Don't you know that I created every single human being, that they're there because I chose them to be there? Who are you to deny them personhood? Who are you to deny them treatment that you yourself would want? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Having said that, in a nice, calm, and (laughs) relaxed manner, I want to read a little bit to you. I want to read you a bit of a story. This is a story by the author Philip K. Dick, who is a famous science fiction writer. Some of you may have heard of him. Um... He, uh, I can't think of the, of the movie now, but there are several movies that have been made from his, uh, his books. This, though, is not one that ever, ever there's going to be a movie made uh, from. It's called The Pre-Persons, and it was written in 1974, a year after Roe v. Wade. And The Pre-Persons is about the arbitrariness of the Roe versus Wade decision. And I just want to read a few things from you. Certainly it's a longer story. It has some vulgar language in it which I'm not going to repeat but it is an important uh, book. Listen to this. Past the grove of cypress trees, Walter he had been playing King of the Mountain, saw the white truck And he knew it for what it was. He thought, that's the abortion truck. Come to take some kid in for a postpartum down at the abortion place. And he thought, maybe my folks called for it. For me. Now later on, he goes back and his parents assure assure him... No, it's not for you. Don't worry, because it's only for kids up to 12 years of age, and you're not 12. 
so you're good. But they had drawn the line at 12 years of age. Why had they drawn their line at 12 years of age? This was the law. Well, because at 12 years of age, that's when you became a person. And we knew that, they knew that you become a person at 12 years of age because you could do algebra. Okay? So that was the qualification. If you're not able to do algebra, then obviously you're not a person. You're a human being, but you're not a person, therefore you don't have those human rights. Okay? It's an art. You say, well, that's daft. That's, that's silly. You know, that's arbitrary. But that's the point. The point is that it's always arbitrary. It's always an opinion, a point of view. And it's not a scientific point of view as to when somebody is granted personhood. You either grant a person personhood because they're a human being or you have to grant it somewhere else. So he, Walter is assured that he is in the clear. He is all right. Well, as the story goes on, um, there is a, a young kid and he's walking on his own. The abortion truck comes by and uh, he doesn't have his ID card, his person card on him. So in the back of the truck he goes. But then the father shows up and the father, uh, instead of saying, okay, yes, he's my son, he says, no, I'm going to go back in the, in, in the back of the truck too because I can't do that algebra. Now, as a matter of fact, he could, but they weren't to know he couldn't. Could or couldn't, yes? He said, at this particular time, yes, I've got a master's degree from Stanford University, but at this time, I can't do algebra, so that must mean that I'm not a person. So in the back of the truck, he went. And while he was in the back of the truck, his name is Ed Gantro, um, this conversation happened. This is him talking to himself. Let's see, Ed Gantro said. The binomial theorem, how does it that go? I can't get it all together. Something about A and B. And as it leaped out of his head and as his immortal soul and had his, as had his immortal soul, he chuckled to himself. I cannot pass the soul test, he thought. The, the person test. And then he thought to himself, the whole mistake of the pro-abortion people from the start, he said to himself, was the arbitrary line they drew. An embryo is not entitled to American constitutional rights and can be killed legally by a doctor. But a fetus was a person with rights, at least for a while, And then the pro-abortion crowd decided that, not, that even a seven-month fetus was not human or a person and could be killed legally by a licensed doctor. And one day a newborn baby, it's a vegetable, it can't focus its eyes, it understands nothing, it doesn't talk. The pro-abortion lobby argued in court. Remember that I told you last week that there are 
mainstream ethicists who say that a newborn baby is not any more important than a slug. And they won with their contention that a newborn baby was only a fetus expelled by accident or organic processes from the womb. But even then, where was the line to be drawn finally? When the baby smiled its first smile, when it spoke its first word, or reached for its its initial time for some toy that it enjoyed? The legal line was relentlessly pushed back and back. And now, the most savage and arbitrary definition of all, when it could perform higher math. That made the ancient Greeks of Plato's time non-human, since arithmetic was unknown to them. They knew geometry, but not arithmetic. Now, you understand the argument, you understand the thought. Where do you draw the line? You see, you either draw the line, well, you don't actually draw the line at all. You say a human being is a person. It doesn't matter about their mental functions. It doesn't matter about their bodily functions. It doesn't matter about whether they're in wheelchairs for the rest of their life. You know that Peter Singer, whenever, he's the Princeton ethicist I talked about last week, the guy that that, uh, compares babies to slugs, uh, he said certain things about... Uh, crippled people, handicapped people and so often when he speaks in public he gets a lot of handicapped people showing up saying are we not persons? Or is it the fact that if a person can't do algebra then they're not a person? Or maybe it's something else, you know. Maybe if you don't know enough logic, maybe if you can't put together a decent English sentence, that you're not a person. The very name pre-persons, I think, really says it all. Pre-persons, person, post-person, possible. Yes? Maybe when uh, your faculties are declining, you, you lose your personhood. You become a post-person. So you don't have any rights anymore. Yes, you're weaker than you were. Yes, you need to be protected, but you're not going to be protected by those persons who qualify still as persons. The text here is... It's just incompatible with that way of thinking. God has made us. He's made us in his image. You're a human being. You are in the image of God. Therefore, you're a person. And if you are uh, less developed because you're a child, (laughs) well, that's because you've been created to develop. You know, they have tried to uh, teach uh, young infants and young, uh, young kids, they try to teach them language 
on video screens and it's not worked. It, you need person-to-person contact. That's all part of the way that God has created us. That's all part of the interrelational uh, uh, importance of uh, uh, society and a good and righteous society. But if you take that out, you take the responsibility of a more mature person to help along a less mature person, or a, a more, uh, as it were, uh, healthy person to help a less healthy person, and you say that the less healthy person is actually not a person, or that the, the child in the, in the mother's womb is not a person. Well, you can do what you want with it, can't you, do you see? Now, we're human persons, notice I've put that together, human persons from conception. And until death. Get it, get it, understand that. It's easy. It's not difficult. This is not something you have to, you know, oh, I've got to really go away and think about this. Yes, there are wicked people, and they are wicked people who teach this. And there are people that believe them. There are even people who are... um, What's the nice word to say about it? Ignorant enough to believe that the baby with different DNA is actually part of their body. And therefore they can abort the baby, even though the baby obviously is not their body. Yeah, my body, my rights, and yeah. Now, as you can see from our text here, as we understood from um, the, the baby John the Baptist leaping in his mother's womb when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, uh, came to visit Jesus went through the stages of humanity from conception all the way to death. Was he at ever, at at any stage, not a person? Mylander, in his book, excuse me, says this on page 33. Knowing that God has created us not simply as free spirits, but as embodied creatures, knowing that in the child conceived in, carried by, and born to Mary, God has taken the whole course of our bodily development into his own life, and knowing that even before we have the capacity for speech, and knowing that even before capacity for speech, the spirit intercedes for us, we can hardly find ourselves drawn toward the personhood argument. You know, you're a person, you're not a person. 
It is true, of course, that certain capacities and characteristics distinguish human beings from other species. But the personhood argument mistakenly assumes that these distinguishing characteristics constitute qualifications for membership in the human community. To be a member of our community with a claim for equal care to yours or mine, however, an individual need not possess these capacities. To qualify for membership, he need only be begotten of human parents. Those who never had or who have now lost certain distinctive human capacities should not be described as non-persons. Rather, they are simply the weakest and least advantaged members of the human community. And I said that uh, I would say something from Spayman here. As I said, I can't understand half of what he writes, but uh, he does say, um, at the end of his book, he, he says there, this, page 245. <clears throat> you don't become someone from being something. Isn't that well put? You don't become someone from being something. And you don't return from being someone to something either. The person is the mode in which a human being exists. The person does not begin its existence after the human being, nor does it end its existence before the human being. A human being is a person. A person is a human being. There's your abortion argument right there. End of story. And so the third point is others in the womb because Jesus said do unto others as you would have them do unto you well you were in a womb once weren't you you were an other in your mother's womb well you weren't aborted you weren't treated as a non-person as a pre-person And so apply the golden rule to this. Yes, the world's going to disagree with you. But the world's going to hell, folks. Sad as that is. The world's going to judgment. You're a child of light. You've been brought out of darkness into the glorious light of the Lord and in that glorious light of the Lord you see that babies in the womb are persons, just as much persons as you are. There's a a book, an old book written in the 19th century called The History of European Morals. Snoresville, US. Yeah, really boring, yes? The History of European Morals. It's two volumes. But in it, 
The writer, W.E.C. Lecky, says that, you know, abortion for most people in most ages has been a non-issue, apart from Christians. And Christians have always held that the baby in the womb from conception is a human being, is a person, not a thing. And therefore, abortion is murder. Persons develop as they interact with other persons, the society that God has made. Christianity reflects the attitudes, the opinions, the creation of God, the one to whom we all will answer. The law of the United States of America reflects something else. Don't get the two confused. Don't think that just because it's law, God approves of it, and therefore you can, be, you can approve of it. Amen. Don't be so naive. Just because it's law doesn't mean it isn't murder. Just because it's law doesn't mean that God will not judge it. Judge the judges. David. Glad he wasn't aborted. When I was made in secret, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. Personhood begins at conception. A mother carries a person in the womb. Is that clear? I mean from scripture, is it clear? Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, We're to have the mind of Christ. We have to have a sanctified mind if we're to live a sanctified life. And so we must understand and decide upon these issues. Help us, Father, as uh, we we, uh, go through this series to apply the righteousness that God requires of us in our personal lives to uh, project that onto the way we deal with others and deal with the issues that surround us today. I'm glad, Father, that we, uh, we've been brought into your fold. It's by grace, it's certainly not by merit. And we rejoice, Heavenly Father, that forever those children in the womb that have never seen the light of day, that they are in eternity. That they are part of the kingdom of God. When man is unrighteous, Father, you 
are righteous. And so, in that spirit, in that fellowship, both now and to come, we pray that you would bless our meal together, our food, our coming together as a church. In the name of Jesus. If you would uh, make your way into the Brant Hall. Brant Hall, yes. I think that's where we're, we're going to be. And we'll see you over there.